Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My stepdad lived in Virginia when he was around the age of eight right on the edge of the great dismal swamp. According to him, he was in bed one night when the sky was cloudless, or just very bright. He 
He never thought until recently whether the moon was shining, or not, and saw a beast looking right through his window at him. He said, he could see spittle running down its face and its eyes were looking straight at him. It was supposedly standing on its hind legs and had cream, red, and brown colored, matted fur and a face almost like a wolf. Other than its snout, its facial features were very human. Its jaw bones were high, the structure around its eyes and its eyes themselves were human esquire the coloring of its eyes, he believes, were yellow. The reason why I think this is interesting and possibly valid is because, the Great Dismal Swamp covers a huge amount of territory and is hardly touched by humans. Only in recent years have people started to study its inhabitants. The grounds are wet, mossy, and absorb sound. And people have been known to wander into it and never return. Who knows what could be lurking in the unknown. Chills my bones. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that he crawled out of his bed and went straight to his mother's room. In the morning, when they looked around the house, all the windows had ground that was stirred up under them and grass that was yanked out. There were actual scratches in the wood under his window, and paint was missing too. However, as far as they could see, there were no discernible footprints. It was September 18th. My dad's friend had a dog man that killed his dog. He was a 130 pound dog and his wife's uncle gave her that dog. Before he had passed and she promised him that she will take care of it. The dog one night knew something was out there so he was just barking like crazy. He had gotten out and the next morning and they found the dog dead on their porch with the guts ripped out. Justin put the dog somewhere else and when he came to get the dog because he was going to bury it, but when he got there the dog was gone. He checked his trail camera and he saw the dog man. He had pictures but I do not have the pictures of the dog man. His wife was very upset. One morning, around 6 a.m., about two years ago, I was living not far from Washington, D.C. A friend of a friend needed a roommate to afford the rent for an apartment he had found. So, when I was told about this, my first thought was, oh yeah. Here's my chance to move out of my parents' house. After about six months of living in the area, I noticed that on certain nights, I would hear loud roars in the distance. I could never tell how far away the noise was coming from. It would sometimes sound nearby or just far enough away where I wouldn't mind being outside to see what it might be making the sound, from a safe distance. I lived in a quiet, wooded area. A lot of people lived in the area. I actually lived within 5 minutes walking distance away from the University of Maryland. One morning, around 6 AM, I just snapped awake from a deep, sound sleep, for no reason at all. I started to go back to sleep but thought to myself, why am I wide awake and alert? It was strange. I was completely awake. Then, right in my backyard, I heard a low, deep growl. That's when I knew something was up. The moment I heard that, I knew. That was why I woke up. I remained quiet and didn't move for the next 5 to 10 minutes, as this thing started to become very active in my backyard. It went from the low growls to heavy breathing. 
This thing's lungs had to be massive because it sounded the same exact way a horse would if you were standing right next to it. When it breathed through its nose, it sounded more like a horse, but this thing sounded like it was aggressive. I knew it wasn't a horse in the backyard. That wouldn't be possible but what I saw was very real. It literally ran from my backyard into the dividing fence of my backyard, from my neighbor's backyard, again and again. It made no sense for it to be doing that. It would often stop and sniff around and sneeze very loudly. It sounded like it was right next to my window and I was on the second floor. I didn't want to look out the window because I thought that there's no way in the world no one else is hearing this right now but me. I thought, this thing is trying to get my attention on purpose. I stayed still in bed, without moving and I was beyond scared. I really thought it was a werewolf, even before I saw it. I always thought that they were real. The guys that lived below me started yelling and screaming, El Diablo. Over and over again, they yelled that. I could hear the thing leaving the backyard, so I hurried to try and get a look at it. When I did, all I saw was its backside. This thing was massive, with broad shoulders, like a bodybuilder and it had ears sticking up on its head. It slowly walked away, until I lost sight of it. When I was in high school, my friends and I would walk to a local 24-7 cafe about two miles away from my house at all hours of the night, sometimes we would walk down the street, other times we would cut through the woods. We would always be in groups of at least four so it was never intimidating or creepy until one night when we decided to cut through the woods. We were about 20 feet away from exiting the trail and onto the road when there was a bright flash, followed by a high pitch ringing similar to an old Polaroid camera. I was staring at the ground when it happened and from the angle of my shadow, I could tell it came from above and behind us. There were about five of us and we all took a few more steps before one of my buddies said did anyone else see that? And right after he said that we heard a man coughing from a tree behind us. Needless to say, we all hauled ass to the cafe and took the roads back home. This was in 2003. We were in a helicopter on a rescue mission. We were going to land in this valley right next to a large mountain around 4,200 meters high. There was intelligence that the enemy was hiding out there, so naturally, they were our targets for being seen by us. When we got very close to the landing zone, this 200 meter long cavern opened up under the helicopter's path. I was a gunner at the time, so I was one of the first ones to see this. It looked like a black hole, and it happened so fast that we could have been hit by accident if we weren't careful about our surroundings. Luckily, none of us died from it. There were supposed to be five enemy combatants in this cavern with their wives and kids. These things were anywhere between seven to nine feet tall and certainly not enemy soldiers. They had greenish-yellow scaly skin, huge fangs, long claws, and looked like damn abominations from a Frankenstein monster. They also had webbed hands and claws. Our pilots saw this coming. We used our searchlights and lit up the cavern nicely before landing. They were pretty upset or so they seemed and immediately began chasing after the copter. The pilot tried taking off again, and we began shooting at these things. They screamed like demons, 
wanted to take down our shopper, and with all the gunfire going on, the helicopter began to spin out of control, nearly crashing. We had to battle these things for a good while, but we were finally able to kill them all using a combination of ammo and grenades. We lost several good men. We had to retreat on the mission to escape what was going on here. We were able to get a hold of a company, and a chopper came in for us about three hours later because we hid. We managed to stay alive. I don't know exactly how we managed to survive this, but we did, and it wasn't because of me so much as the other guys on my squad. They were the true heroes, to be sure. I just wanted to do my duty and help. This is what happened during the battle, though. It turns out that these things were an ancient breed of mutated humans who lived in the mountains long ago. There are reports of them being worshipped by ancient cults. This is what I've been told by other fellow veterans who have had their own stories with these creatures as well. During this time in Afghanistan, there are even men during Desert Storm that talk about large humanoid beings who hide under the sand and who have attacked and devoured convoys whole. Pretty terrifying stuff out there in the desert. I've been working and living as a park ranger for almost five years now, stationed at a fairly remote outpost in the middle of the good old-fashioned American wilderness. For reasons I'd rather not get into, I can't disclose my exact location, but what I will say is that my workplace is effectively a lone watchtower surrounded by miles upon miles of forests and lakes. There's a bunch of these towers scattered around the county, though the nearest one to me is at least a day's hike away and barely a dot on the horizon. As rangers, our official designation is to keep troublemakers out of our woods, but that isn't why we're here. Our job is to keep things in. A little about me. I'm 27 years old, and lived off the land for as long as I can remember. My old man was a hunter, and for most of my life I worked on our little ranch and helped my father track rabbits and deer. I went to school too, I'm not a complete hick, but college wasn't for me and I fell into a bunch of odd labor jobs. It was by pure chance I got this job, they were looking for someone who knew the lay of the land to fill in a suddenly vacant position, and I guess they figured I was right for the job. I'll be blunt. The woods can be a very dangerous place. In all the time I've worked here, I've had to bury 10 unlucky visitors. That might seem a lot to you. But trust me when I say that 10 is not bad going by this park standards. My more experienced colleagues in the northern regions have it a lot worse, or so I'm told at the bi-weekly meetings we have at the center camp. Still, to me it's 10 people too many and despite my best efforts to ward people away from the more unsafe areas of woodland, sometimes it feels like these people are trying to get themselves killed. My day-to-day -day routine isn't all that interesting, so I'll spare you that. I will say that I live on site, so although I have officially contracted hours and tasks that have to be completed, I'm technically at work 24-7. Once or twice a month I'll take a drive into the town, and of course there's the aforementioned meetings every fortnight, but most of the time I'm completely isolated. I won't lie, it gets lonely out here, which is part of why I'm writing this journal. I guess it's nice to imagine someone reading it and being a part of my story. Enough sentiment. There have been some goings-on as of late that, to be frank, worry me.
Reports of missing people are cropping up all over the park. Trevor, the guy manning the nearest station to me, once told me over the radio that he found the remains of one unlucky bastard halfway up a tree like a piñata. It's getting hard to cover up, apparently, and there's talk of us having to buddy up on patrol shifts. Nobody knows if the incidents are connected, but by the sounds of things it might have something to do with the summer rush. You see, around this time of year, we get almost triple the amount of visitors. During the hot summer months, we get all manner of tourists, party-goers and more piling in from f knows where. These types of people are the worst, most of them are harmless enough but just don't understand the concept of simple rules like stay in your tent between 11 pm and 4 am and don't wander into the woods by yourself. The first incident that I recall happened some three weeks back. I was overlooking the woods one evening, watching the sun begin its descent behind the distant mountain ranges and enjoying a smoke, when I hear the distinct sound of two gunshots ringing out in the distance. I cursed my luck. From the sounds of it, whoever it was had fired a rifle of some kind, most likely semi-automatic. Hunting is absolutely forbidden in our park, something we enforce strictly. I was just about to head inside and radio for backup, trust me when I say you don't want to approach one or more gun-toting, likely inebriated rednecks by yourself, when I heard another sound, a rising, high-pitched scream of terror, followed by a guttural, unearthly howl that set the hairs on the back of my neck upright. Animals, particularly nocturnal ones, can make some pretty messed up sounds, but nothing I knew of could make that sort of noise. It sounded warped, and unnatural, yet there was something undeniably lifelike that left me second-guessing. I slung my rifle over my shoulder, grabbed a flashlight, and took off down the stairs in search of the source. I had a good sense of where it was coming from and based on the gunshots I could tell I was within 15 minutes. I only prayed I would be able to get there on time as I hauled ass along the trail. As I ran, several more shots rang out, the sound of which served as my guide. I could hear distant shouting, sounded like two people at least, as well as more of those godforsaken sounds. My heart was pounding out of my chest and I gripped my flashlight with white knuckles as I drew closer and closer. In the distance, I could make out the remains of what had been a campsite. The fire still smoldered, surrounded by scattered belongings. There was a tent, which was mostly intact albeit crumpling in on one side from where the supports had been knocked out by something. I found the first body there. A male, in his mid-twenties if I had to guess. His abdomen had been completely shredded, deep claw marks raked across his bare chest and stomach and his gut scattered around him. His face was contorted, a permanent expression of terror spread across his countenance. The grass around him was almost black with his blood. I've seen and heard a lot in my time, but the sight and smell of his ruined body was enough to send me stumbling away, dry heaving. He hadn't gone easy. Another gunshot snapped me out of it. They were close, and I could actually make out the muzzle flash further down the trail. Another scream of terror, then one of pain. Then another gunshot. I could see from here what was happening, moving quickly to try and intervene, expecting to see a mama grizzly at the worst. I wasn't prepared for what I saw next. In the clearing ahead, there was something hunched over. It was big, at least seven or eight feet, 
and its body was twisted and distorted, covered in patchy gray fur flecked with crimson blood. From behind I couldn't make out exactly what it looked like, but could see that it had somebody pinned, another man. A few feet ahead, another, fatter guy was cowering, trying to reload his rifle with shaking hands. The man on the ground thrashed around, letting out pained wails that dug into my ears. The hollering of someone who knows that they're about to die. It's not a sound anybody should have to hear. Whatever monster it was on top of him, it was devouring him. I saw it throw its head back, blood spraying indiscriminately, teeth tearing into the man's flesh. He weakly tried to break free, thudding his arms against its thick hide, but it either couldn't feel him or didn't care. It growled and snapped at its frantic prey, whose struggling grew weaker and weaker before ceasing entirely. It was then that I noticed how goddamn quiet it was out there. Not a sound, no wind, no trees rustling. Just the whimpering of the fat man, and the snapping and gurgling as the monster ate its fill. I crouched in the foliage a few dozen meters away, gun raised and flashlight at the ready. I wanted to help, but throwing myself at whatever the f this thing was would unalive myself. I think it was at about that point when I caught the fat man's gaze. His face pale, he frantically gestured for help. I shook my head, hushing him with a finger over pursed lips, then gestured for him to move towards me. Slow, I mouthed, hoping he would understand. He began shuffling towards me, circling the clearing. The monster didn't seem to acknowledge him, seemingly contented with its feast. I stayed put as he made painfully slow progress, every second seeming to stretch out for much longer. He was maybe 10 meters from me when something began to move in the woods behind him, and something else crashed through the tree line. The fat man turned around, and screamed. A shrill, piercing cry that still sticks with me even all this time later. A second creature had emerged from the forest. It happened in a blur. I barely caught a glance of the thing as it hurtled itself towards the fat man. This one was a little smaller, its body distorted and twisted, moving on all four limbs as its cruel maw snapped open. Patches of fur covered its pale body, and a maw filled with needles that glinted in the moonlight honed in on its terrified victim. He threw up the gun, still empty, of course, and barely got out a yelp before he was pinned to the ground. I damn near fainted, watching it hunch over him and eat him alive. He screamed and gurgled as it got a grip on his leg and started dragging him, still conscious, back into the forest, leaving a blood trail in its wake. I could only watch, helpless and more frightened than I have been in my 27 years, as the slaughter unfolded before me. I tried to move backwards, causing a branch to snap underfoot. I cursed silently as the first creature looked up instantly, its head snapping violently towards me, two piercing white eyes glinting in the darkness. Drool and gore hung from its mouth in blood strings, as it wheezed softly, scanning the tree line for a moment before turning back to its meal. It was near dawn when I finally found the courage to move. Both creatures had long since left, the former dragging what little remained of its quarry to f knows where. On first light, I slowly got to my feet, and made my way back to my tower. And that's where it ended. I told my superiors what happened, and they assured me they would look into it. Clean up, contact families. Formalities, to them. 
It's been three weeks since, and things don't feel the same. In fact, I think that night was just the beginning. I haven't encountered those things. But I can't step outside past sundown without a chill going down my back. I've heard things from my colleagues, whispers, really, about similar incidents happening across the park. We have another meeting tomorrow. I'm going to try and get to the bottom of this. Stay tuned. I actually saw two Bigfoot in my life. I'm 57 years old and I saw my first one when I was deer hunting up in northern Michigan, about 18 miles outside of Alpena, in the autumn of 2015. I was actually able to watch him with binoculars at about 150 yards for about 45 minutes. He was in the middle of a power line, going back and forth and through the woods. I got a really good look at him for a really long time. When I saw my second Bigfoot, I was actually about 35 feet away from him. It was in September of 2020 in Tyler County, Texas. It's just a little blip on the map. It was actually off on the shoulder of the road. It was during one of those full moons so there was a lot of deer out on the road. I was cautious as to what I was doing. Now, I was driving around a curve and I saw this great big thing out on the shoulder of the road. This guy was all white and I hit my bright lights on him and he actually rose up and turned around and looked at me. I was 35 feet away from him when he was looking right at me. This was a Bigfoot without question. He was eating something also. He didn't pay any attention to me. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was the only one out there on the road and there wasn't anywhere for me to pull over because it was on a curve. I tried to get a photo of him from inside the truck but the flash from the camera reflected off against the window and I wasn't able to get an image. But this guy, I would say, he wasn't fully standing when he turned around and looked at me. But I would say he goes about seven and a half, maybe eight feet. My guess is probably around 600 pounds. He was a big animal. And he actually rose right up and he turned his torso right at me and he looked at me as he was coming up to me at 35 feet. I got a perfect view of him. So that's my two Bigfoot stories right there. The first one I saw was when I was 14 years old when I was deer hunting up in northern Michigan and I was able to watch him for about 45 minutes with binoculars. The Bigfoot that I saw when I was young at 14, was actually on the other side of the river. Thunder Bay River was between me and him. Now, I spent an awful amount of time in the woods when I was younger and I could track just about any animal there was. I used to stalk deer and stuff. So I was really good at what I did. But I never saw any tracks in the woods that were for a Bigfoot. Now this guy was going back and forth like he was picking something up out where the power line was, and taking it back in the woods. He went back and forth maybe 15 or 20 times and then all of a sudden, he stopped and looked directly at me. And then he walked back in the woods and I didn't see him after that. So he must have sensed that I was there or something. That one I saw in Texas was September during the full moon. Like I said, he was 35 feet away from me. As best I could tell, other than his facial features which he had a little bit of black on his face, sort of like a monkey. The rest of his body, from what I could see was all white. His eyes did not appear to be orangish or reddish like an albino normally would, they were greenish in the light. 
It was definitely a Bigfoot, there was no question about that. I guess he must have been eating a deer or something on the shoulder of the road because he didn't seem to be phased when I went by him. I looked back in my mirror and he was still there. My experience was in Western North Carolina in the Great Smoky Mountains, an area I know you're familiar with. I used to go into the national park at least once a month during the summer. I found this very nice camp spot about three quarters of a mile in. It was close to Lake Santitla, and Santitla Creek was a good place to catch trout. I set up my camp and I made sure to hang my food up since there are black bears out there. I got everything all set up and then I grabbed my gear and I hit the creek. I got three nice sized trout and headed back to camp. I figured I'd hang around in my chair, drink a few beers, and just chill out. It was still mid-afternoon. I hadn't seen a soul since I entered the park. I get back to my camp and my food stash is all over the place. Just wrappers and trash lying all over the campsite but the cans are still there untouched. At first, I thought that something had managed to get up there and rip open the mesh bag, maybe a raccoon or something. But then I saw the rope I had tied. It was untied and the mesh bag wasn't ripped either. It made me scratch my head a bit but I kind of shrugged thinking it was a good thing that I had caught some fish. Later that night I was sitting at my campfire feeling lazy after dinner when I heard this weird noise. It was a clacking sound, like two stones being hit together. At first, I thought it was a branch snapping. But no, it was definitely a rock on rock clack, clack, clack. I'm a little weirded out at this point, but maybe a little more puzzled than anything. But then the sound moved to the other side of the woods. It was on my left now. Then a few minutes later it was on my right. The same thing, clack, clack, clack. Then it was coming from behind me. Now. I'm really freaked. I stood up and looked around. I was getting the heebie-jeebies. I just piled more wood on the fire to make it brighter and had another beer to settle my nerves. It stayed quiet for quite a while. I started dozing in my chair and I decided it was time to turn in. The fire had burned down pretty low so I didn't douse it with water. I just got into my tent. After a while, I needed to relieve myself. It was almost dawn and there was a little light coming through the trees. I slipped on my boots, didn't tie them, and just walked maybe 10 feet into the woods when I saw something move. I just froze. There was something standing in the trees about 20 feet away and it stood upright like a person. But there's no way in hell it was a man. It was too big for one and it was furry, kind of like a gorilla with its back to me. I never really believed all those stories about a hairy man creature roaming the woods but here this beast is right in front of my eyes, exactly like I've always heard it described. I don't know what else it could have been except a Bigfoot. I'm really scared while trying to be quiet. But it must have heard me breathing or something because all of a sudden it turned around and stared straight at me. Its face wasn't hairy at all. It looked like a man but more primitive, like a caveman but its eyes are what really freaked me out. They were red like a demon's eyes. My heart was pounding. I tried to back up slowly. I backed up maybe three steps before the thing made any noise and then it growled really menacingly and I just lost it. I ran like hell. 
I needed to get somewhere safe so I ran back down the trail in the direction of the truck. I had to stop behind a tree to catch my breath and check my shoes. That's when I listened. I didn't think it followed me. I didn't hear anything, but I didn't waste any time, running again and onto my truck. I stayed in the truck with the doors locked but I didn't go to sleep. When morning came I felt safer and I hadn't seen anything further. I made the decision to go back to the campsite and collect all my gear. I was half afraid the tent would be shredded or something. But no, everything was just like I'd left it. I looked around for footprints thinking if I could find a print and take a photo I'd have proof. But I never found anything. I'm not sure I'll be camping in that forest anytime soon. Hello, sir. I don't know if you were aware of this incident from the spring of 2018. The event affected all the inhabitants of a ranch located in the town of Los Cedrales, Paraguay, in the department of Alto Paraná. The cold nights forced the inhabitants of the Manuela ranch to shut themselves up early, but the tranquility broke at around 9.30 p.m. On the Saturday night, when the guardian of the establishment, a little dog, would not stop barking. The administrator, Francisco Molinas, came out to look at him with his rifle and a flashlight. He went to investigate the reason for the alarm towards the place where the sheep slept. I went to look behind the shed and I saw one of the largest sheep lying on the ground. There I found out that there was every wound in the neck. I shined my flashlight to a corner and there I saw the bug with its red eyes, it was brownish in color. In total, the bug killed six goats. The man reacted to the initial scare and said, I got three shots with my rifle. I shouted to my son and he brought my 9mm pistol has hemmed the animal about 70 meters out there. Just when he stayed, I emptied the magazine of my gun and 16 shots. Then I lit him with the line, and there he turned around and came straight to attack me. I reached my son and my partner, who brought a shotgun. The bug did not run so hard and they put him against a volley of shots until he got into a little hill of the ranch. We looked for him everywhere, too much we wanted to hunt him to show people this monster. I did not believe in this before, but now that I've seen it, I know there's a chupacabra. I was in 4th or 5th grade playing outside in broad daylight in my backyard when I seen a mysterious creature. The garage was detached from the house and it was cracked open at about foot level. If someone or something was inside you could only see their legs or feet. We had a big dog named Bear as well that lived in the backyard of course. As I played with my toys near the garage, in my peripheral vision I seen someone standing in the garage. I immediately assumed this was our dog Bear and continued to play. Moments later, Bear came running from the field of grass behind the garage and my brain immediately told me that what I saw wasn't our dog. I slowly turned to look up at the garage and as my vision focused I saw two giant human-like feet with patches of hair but not fully covered in hair. I couldn't see its body but something tells me it was a small creature with giant feet. As soon as I realized what I was looking at, the creature started hopping from left foot to right foot etc. as if it knew I noticed it, though we couldn't see each other's faces. Or at least I couldn't lol. My heart dropped and I ran inside to my older brother. 
I got on his back and we searched the garage but nothing was there. The feet looked like the hobbits from the Lord of the Rings movie. This happened in Compton, California, US. Not known for cryptids but a special city indeed. Anyone know what this is or seen similar? One of my brothers called it a gnome. One evening this past summer, my girlfriend and I were driving through the Kansas countryside. After crossing a cement bridge, even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. ...that spanned a river, we pulled into a farmer's access road and parked at the edge of a field alongside a bend in the river with the car pointing east. Not long after we stopped we noticed a strange light that suddenly approached our location in a quick blur. Hovering above the trees was a dark object, rectangular in shape with one red and one green running light positioned together on the lower part of the craft at its center. We stared in amazement and couldn't take our eyes off the object. After five minutes or so, we noticed the craft's position had moved to the right. It seemed to move in a very slow motion to the other side of the river. After another five minutes, I decided to drive away from the area. As we turned onto the county road and subsequently onto the cement bridge we saw that the craft had returned to its original position, above us and slightly back from the bridge. I stopped again and got out to look at the craft. The object was about 20 to 25 feet wide and now I noticed a large rectangular glass window, or what appeared to be glass, running across the middle third of its front. Standing inside to the left side looking down on us were two beings, which I could see only from the waist up. I could tell that these beings were about 4 feet tall, with abnormally large heads and large black eyes. The eyes seemed devoid of emotion and their skin was pure white, like the moon, the texture resembling that of an albino salamander. Their eyes ran almost north or south with their heads. The craft hovered silently the whole time. After about a minute of eye contact with the humanoids, I got back into the car and rapidly drove away from the area. We could still see the craft hovering where we had left it. Sometimes, we both get an urge to return to the spot and just sit there and talk about our shared experience, kind of hoping these beings would stop by. In 1983, I lived in a house, in Boulder, with several roommates, one of whom was an airline steward. Since he was away, at times, I would walk his Grand Pyrenees or Golden Lab mix, and take her for hikes with me in the foothills above Boulder. 
One weekend, I was planning a Saturday morning hike so, on Friday, I amassed things to take with the dog and me, getting my day pack all ready for the outing. Friday night, when I went to bed, however, before sleep set in, I suddenly had a vision of a Native American, in an orange shirt and painted face, hovering above the Bear Canyon or Peak Trailhead. His hair fanned out behind him in the wind. I could not see his lower body, it was more like a thick wisp of smoke coming from the ground. He communicated to me that I was not to go up that trail. If I persisted, I would meet with disaster. I sat bolt upright in bed, turned on the light, and felt quite rattled. I got up and watched TV with my roommates for a while. Eventually, I went back to bed, and the vision occurred again. Again, I was jarred by it, wondering what was going on, and thinking it quite out of the ordinary. I lay awake for hours, unable to get this out of my head. In the wee hours, I finally was able to calm down and sleep. The next day, the dog and I went up into the foothills, but when I got to the trailhead, I felt as if an invisible wall were there. I just could not override the warning and ascend that trail. So, we went along a different trail, and all was fine. A few years later, living in a different part of Boulder, my neighbor told me that one night in the early 80s, he felt beckoned to that same trailhead, and actually got in his car in the middle of the night to drive there, parked, and hike up to the trailhead. At the time, we were having high winter winds, the Chinooks, so it was not really the best conditions in which to go out for a 2 a.m. stroll, but he was compelled to go anyway. Once at the trailhead, John felt extreme dread as if something were lying in wait for him up that trail. He would start up the trail a few steps, then, turn around and head away from it. He lingered at the trailhead for almost an hour before turning around and heading home, feeling extremely confused by the experience. Due to other experiences along the Flatirons in Boulder, I have come to believe that the spirits of Native Americans reside there. Some are protective. I have no idea what may be up that trail that may be beckoning and sinister, native spirit or gin. I had hiked the trail before, without incident, before this Native American spirit warned me off it. Luckily, I was cautioned and my neighbor had good gut instincts, so we both avoided whatever was awaiting us. I live in Michigan in a country house that my closest neighbor is a few miles down the road. Since we've owned the house for four years there has always been a feeling that has daunted over us. We've never had very good luck in this house, lost a dog within five minutes of me letting them out in daylight and a cat too in the past two years. Yes there are predators but they have been staying away, at first we had coyotes staying close but they stay down at my neighbors and don't come close. The past few nights my wife has heard whistling for a dog from 1 to 4 am in random spots in the woods near the house, my dog has also noticed but he stayed quiet and watched out the window. He's always known there's something to and wigs out at certain times. If it helps we live near Dudgeon Swamp of White Cloud, there's a lure in that place. I'm wondering if it's something from that. Any ideas or helpful things would be great. I was an elementary school student in 1971. 
I saw the Legend of Boggy Creek film and later read Peter Burns's little paperback book on Bigfoot. The North Georgia mountains, especially in the Appalachians, are rich with legends and strange stories about boogers. Parents and adults would say don't be out at night because that's when the booger bears come out. Nobody ever explained to you what a booger was or how it looked so we thought it was only a scary story. In the spring of 1973, a game warden went missing overnight. He was found the next morning walking on a rural road by a passing car. He was exhausted and confused with his clothes torn and couldn't really remember what happened. It was later said that he claimed to have seen a tall hairy creature with a big head and a face like a bull. The story was abuzz for about two weeks and suddenly all talk of it went quiet. I think he either quit or the state relocated him. It was March 1974 when I was 15. I didn't drink or smoke anything. I was seeing a straight arrow football player and not the type to tell stories. About 8.30 PM I was riding in a car with three other guys and the driver was about two years older than us. We were spotlighting deer illegally but not for the purpose of shooting one, just checking them out. We're driving down the main road. It was barely paved and full of potholes. As we rolled along at about 10 to 15 miles per hour we spotted a buck and two does up on a chest-high red clay bank with bushes and overgrown parsley. The overgrowth partially blocks our view. This is a four-way highway. This was at a four-way crossroads where the very narrow dirt or gravel road left off into a completely deserted forest with no houses. On the left was another dirt or gravel road with an old church on the corner. Further down this road were a couple of farms. A river runs down one side that is fed by the Amicalola Falls which is located at the head of the Appalachian Trail. Ironically, there's an area of the river known as the Devil's Elbow where moonshiners, pot growers, and hunters were alleged to have gone missing. This is the same area where the game warden went missing. I was in the passenger rear seat and couldn't really see the deer. We stopped and the guy in front of me got out with a spotlight and shined the deer. It was apparent they had been running and were tired because they hadn't run off. After exiting the back seat I heard a crack or pop 45 degrees to my right in the forest. I thought it may have been a bear because a 500 pounder was killed in our area. But bears are known to be very quiet when walking so I started saying let's go and the hair started standing up on my arms and neck. I began to feel sick with fear. At about the same time, a hulking figure crossed the road from bank to bank in front of us in three forward-leaning large steps while swinging its arms. It appeared to be approaching the deer and at that moment they bolted out of there. By that time, I'm frozen with fear and it seems like time has slowed down. My friend to the left says, what the hell was that? We're both saying, let's go. Let's go. I had one foot in the car and then as I looked up on top of the embankment I saw the outline of a figure move slowly to get behind a tree where its face was obscured. My friend with the spotlight starts slowly getting in the car while the other dude dives in the back seat. At this time my older and more stubborn friend pulls out a .22 caliber pistol and says, who are you? Talk to me or I'll shoot now. We are screaming, let's go. My friend in front of me still has the light pointed at it over the door even though he is now back in the car. At that instant, we hear a bang. Bang. 
The driver shot the 22 caliber up in the air. He immediately throws the pistol down and jumps in the car. We spin out of there sideways. I'm shaking all over. It was so bad that my feet were actually tapping and everybody but the driver was talking at once. We drove until we found a closed gas station and pulled in. He got out went to the drink machine and downed a coke. He still wouldn't talk. So now my friend is driving us all home and it's about 10 PM and we're planning to go back the next day to look around in daylight. We also agreed to only tell our families, minus the part about the gunfire of course. After we drop off my friend in the back. We're headed to my house. My friend in front says to the driver, Hey, man. What did you see? Nothing but silence, until we get to my house. My friend in the front says, You saw its face, didn't you? He very quietly said, Um. I sat there for a minute waiting for more but it was obvious that he wasn't talking and it was getting late on a school night. I then had to get out and walk up the long path to the dark back side of my house which sat at the foot of a mountain. When I got inside my mom noticed that there was something wrong and her first question was, somebody has been drinking. That was all I needed. So, as I finally managed to tell my story my mom replied, ha it's probably the devil. But my dad, who grew up on a farm only a few miles from this incident, sat silent, looking at the TV. It was his older generation on both sides of the family who used the term booger. Growing up on a farm he knew all too well about booger stories and later said that he used to hear strange screaming sounds in the woods. They always blamed it on panthers but they're all hunted and killed by the early 1900s. The few other people I shared my story with laughed and ridiculed me. So I shut my mouth. The following day we all head back and our driver still doesn't want to talk. We get to the location and cannot find footprints but do find broken branches and impressions in the ground. Then we got to the tree where his face was hidden. A prominent crooked limb stuck out and bent upward. I could stand flat-footed and reach the limb with my arm almost extended and that put the creature at about 7 foot 10 or possibly more. About two months later I was in church and saw a girl that lived on that same road but closer to the main highway. I told her what happened and a very serious expression came over her face. She informed me that it had run across the road in front of her one night while coming home from a football game. She also said that her uncle saw it coming out of his chicken house about a year prior. I sat there silently thinking, oh, God, why have you allowed such things to exist? Hi. My name is Jay and I would like to tell you a true tale of what happened to me one September evening in 1990. I held off talking about this for the past three decades. For some unknown reason, I feel compelled to tell my story. I was leaving my girlfriend's house because she had to go to work the next day. We lived just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There was still light out, but the sunset was coming. I decided to walk to my friend's house which was about 10 minutes away and I thought to save a couple of minutes walking, I would take a shortcut along two sets of railroad tracks. As I was walking along the tracks, I could see from a distance that someone was coming up from the embankment of the tracks and started walking on the railroad tracks toward me. 
I thought this was odd because I could see that this individual was wearing one of those old bulky green parkas with the hood up over his head. As he was getting closer, I could see his features more clearly. Something was not right. As he walked right by me, his whole upper body turned towards me and what I saw was some type of an alien. It just looked at me as it was walking by. This freaked me out. Two seconds later, I turned around to see where this thing was going. It was gone. Nowhere in sight. At that moment I looked up and saw a UFO hovering for a good 10 seconds about 1000 feet up. Then the UFO sped off northeast. This incident really shook me up. Nothing else, that I'm aware of, occurred since that incident. Do these otherworldly beings live among us? What aren't we being told? I live in a country neighborhood surrounded by woods and pastures in northeast Texas bordering Louisiana. Last night I went out to my car around 10 p.m. And I heard a noise from the trees or bushes no more than 15 yards from me. I looked quickly expecting to see a deer, but instead saw a bipedal figure graceful bounding across the street into the other yard vanishing into the darkness of the night. I quickly got in my car and turned my brights and faced my car in the direction it ran and I didn't see anything. But when I turned my car toward the dead end road across from where it ran I saw the silhouette of a large four-legged creature with glowing eyes. At first I thought it was a dog, but it would have had to been a Great Dane or larger, it looked at me for a split second then ran behind the trees back toward a large pasture. Going back to the bipedal runner. We have a big orange street light covering most of that road so it's very visible, but this thing wasn't very distinguishable aside from his humanoid form. It bounded with a graceful stride like a deer. It sent a chill up my spine. Had never seen anything like it before. Does any of this check out with y'all? I know skinwalkers are known to be a New Mexico or Southwestern thing, but I have looked up reports of Texas sightings. Forever ago, I had a nightmare that still kind of haunts me. It was one of those dreams that feel so vivid, so real, that you can't shake the feeling it left behind like a chill running down your spine on a hot summer day. In the dream, I was driving home with my parents, just like any other evening. The sun was setting, casting long shadows across the winding road. As we approached a crossroad that's up the road a ways from my house, something caught my eye. A figure, a silhouette against the dimming light, stood at the crossroads. It was strange, almost otherworldly. The figure appeared to be a pale and bald person? But it was far from ordinary. It was as tall as the massive stop sign that marked the intersection. Its body was concealed by a cultist-like monk cloak that hung heavily around it. But what sent shivers down my spine was its eerie smile. It just stared at me, an unblinking gaze, and that grin etched onto its face. The creature, if that's what it was, was incredibly skinny, almost emaciated, like it was nothing but bones beneath that cloak. And those eyes, those unnatural eyes that seemed to lack eyelids, glared at me with a sinister knowing. Since that fateful dream, I couldn't shake off the eerie feeling that enveloped me every time I passed that crossroad. Especially after a long night at work, when exhaustion clung to my eyelids like a shroud.
It was on one of those nights, driving home, that something truly unsettling happened. I was navigating the winding road, the world outside my car bathed in the soft glow of my headlights. I approached the crossroad, and suddenly, a pair of blinding headlights appeared just ahead. Panic seized me as a car came straight at me. I swerved to the side, my heart pounding in my chest. But the strange thing was, as I looked in my rearview mirror, there were no lights behind me. It was as if the headlights I had seen were never there. That night, after the dream of the tall, grinning figure and the bizarre encounter on the road, I spent the day in complete paranoia. Every shadow seemed to conceal a lurking presence, every creak in the house sent my heart racing. I couldn't escape the dread that had taken hold of me. Curiosity eventually got the better of me. I started researching, diving deep into the world of cryptids and urban legends, hoping to find something that matched the description of the sinister figure in my dreams. I came across tales of shadowy creatures, ghostly apparitions, and ancient legends, but nothing quite fit. Months turned into years, and the nightmares eventually subsided, but the memory of that crossroad and the ominous figure never left me. I couldn't help but wonder if there was more to it than just a dream. Was there really something lurking at that crossroad, something beyond the realm of our understanding? As time passed, I began to accept that some mysteries may never be unraveled, and some nightmares may never truly fade. The crossroad remained a place of unease, a reminder that there are things in this world that defy explanation, and that some dreams, no matter how long ago, can continue to haunt us forever. This is a creepy occurrence I've been noticing for over a year now in my neighborhood. So I always go for runs and walk my dog late at night, usually between 2 and 4 am. I bartend, and I almost never see another soul when I'm out, but one night around this time last year I saw an older middle-aged woman walking up the street not far from where I live. Normally I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but she had a notable shuffle to her step, was walking in the center of the street, not on the sidewalk, and had a brown purse with her like she was going somewhere and not just out for a late night walk. She seemed to take no notice of me and my large dog. I then began to see this woman night after night in different places along my dog walking and running routes, and even encountered her as she emerged from the house where I assume she lives. I began to notice how she always walked the same route at the same time every night, even when it's raining, and even on the coldest nights. But her creepiness factor shot up substantially when I noticed that when she got to my block along her route, she would turn and walk in between two houses right across the street from my house, go until she was just in the dark outside the range of the streetlight, pause when her face was inches away from the side of one of the houses, and then just crouch. She'd stay crouched for a minute or two, stand back up, then go back out to the street and continue on her way. One time as it was approaching 3.30 am and I was already inside for the night, I turned off the lights so we could see outside better and made my girlfriend come to the front window with me to look out. I said something like, you know the creepy woman I mentioned? Watch what she does. And sure enough, like clockwork, she turned onto our block, shuffled in between the two houses and did her little crouching ritual. This had us both creeped out and baffled. A thought occurred to us that maybe she's peeing, 
But at this point, I've encountered her enough in the midst of her ritual and have never seen her taking down or pulling up her pants. The presence of me and my dog, even when we're right across the street doesn't seem to make her hesitate in her behavior. I even tried to examine from the sidewalk during the day the spot where she crouches to look for clues as to what she might be doing. There's a couple of cinder blocks there placed side by side against the house and in the hollow of one of them is what looks like an empty plastic takeout container. The sense of fear I got from her gave way to strong curiosity, which is why I never changed up my habits to avoid her, and sometimes to indignation, like, how could she just wander onto someone else's property every night? At times I've considered approaching the people across the street about this, but I don't know them and I realize I'd probably come off as a little crazy myself and going out of my way to tell them about some woman who honestly seems harmless enough, just a person simply acting on a strange compulsion. Still, it's unsettling. So, I've been doing hours of research daily for the past two weeks on demons, skinwalkers, UFOs, sleep paralysis everything and trying to connect it all. Last week, I was sitting in the living room, it was around 9am and I was researching sleep paralysis and the connection to demons, when I heard footsteps. My mom's room connects to the living room, and no one else was home so I looked up assuming my mom was awake. Instead, I saw a black humanoid figure with no features, it was just solid all black, no highlights or anything. Step into the wall and disappear. My mom was still asleep, I haven't mentioned it to anyone, because they'll probably just think him crazy. But I know what I saw, and I've thought long and hard and I know it wasn't just a shadow or anything. So, I just went back to my researching and tried to forget about it. Then two days ago, I had a dream, in my dream the phone rings. It's an unknown called, and when I answer I just hear this horrible horrible scary voice that's full of pure hatred. That screams mind your own business and then I woke up. I wonder if it's because of my research? Another interesting thing is, a couple days ago I broke my phone, and I wonder if that's why I had to be communicated with through a dream instead. Let me know if anyone has any idea what's going on. I was out super late one night probably about 1994 being a typical badass kid. I had snuck out the window and it was about 4am and I had to hurry up and get home before people woke up for work at my house so I decided to cut through the woods. It was quicker and probably safer than walking on the highway. I was 12-ish and half drunk cause otherwise I never would have walked in the woods by myself at night. Now I am a girl at that time probably 110 pounds and looked at least 17. I have a daughter that looks just like me that gives me nightmares. Anyways, I started walking and I honestly couldn't see anything. Like barely my hand in front of my face but I had walked this path many times and it was well worn. I was almost to the other side when someone about 3 feet from my face was holding a beeper and lit it up like they were checking it. That's all I saw no hand or body just a floating lit up beeper. I took the F off and never did that dumb shit again. While I never walked through the woods, I totally snuck out my window again.
I used to work in a shitty little mall in the suburbs of a city known for crackheads and shootings. AKA most cities, I was about 16 at the time and when we closed the store, we had to leave through a back alley as the male mall had long since been locked up. We always left in pairs, but a few particular nights I wasn't able to catch a buddy. Mind you, I would always park under the streetlights so I could be seen on cameras, and always called my mom as I was walking to my car. A little life tip I stole from the movie taken in case anything were to happen, on several occasions creepy shit would go down. Had someone wrap a shirt on my windshield wiper, in attempt to get me back out of my car, nope, had a stalker type, who would come in and follow me or the other girls around the store their whole shift and even buy them coffees, wait for me outside the alley exit. Had some dudes walking through the parking lot start walking toward me and my car so I booked it and sped the heck out of there. Had someone literally slashed two of my tires from the inside. I was 16 years old. I think had I not been raised to be hyper aware, I would have easily been a victim to any of these targets. I've had this issue for years. They disappear completely or end up in places I never put them. Several months ago, my door was open in apartment when I came home. Nobody else had the key, Matayanans checked the downstairs camera nothing. The only thing that was missing was my dad's hunting knife, it was always tucked and hidden beside my bed. He has passed a long time ago. He had an extensive knife collection. Shortly after this I heard footsteps on my balcony at night, I couldn't sleep for weeks. My balcony is so high up nobody could have been on it. I've had knives appear on the counter and I never put them there. I'm not making this into a paranormal thing as I'm not sure, but it freaks me out. I've had so many paranormal experiences it doesn't bother me as much anymore, pastors and members from church have anointed my place, I have moved many times they still follow me. An ex and I went glamping in Santa Barbara a few years back and had planned to watch the meteor shower up a mountain, above the trees with unobstructed views. So we took some wine and blankets to my car around midnight and drove up this super long trail before we planned to get out and hike up. As we reached the top where we were to leave the car something just felt strange, nevertheless we hiked up and found a spot but after not long I could hear something in the distance and we were sitting in darkness. I didn't like it. So I suggested we go back to the car and find a spot along the driveway that has a good view. We get back to the car and lay the blankets on the hood and lie on the top of the car a la Wayne's world watching the airplanes. And suddenly I hear a noise again. No less than 15 feet in front of us are cat eyes, that little reflective twinkle. I slipped through the open car window and turned on my headlights and there was a mountain lion standing right there in front of us. My ex gets back into the car too, we pull the blankets inside and watch the lion walk off to the side of the road. I drive maybe 200 feet further down the trail and suggest we watch through the sunroof or windshield and as we are the mountain lion turns up once again. We decide to leave back to the base and to our cabin. Strangely the parking spot I had my car in under a tree for morning shade was now taken and so I parked elsewhere. 
In the morning the rangers had put up mountain lion present warnings and a massive branch from the tree that my car was initially under had broken off in the middle of the night and smashed straight through the other car's windshield. Just a weird night. So, this was something that would happen regularly while I was in middle school a few years ago. I lived in a small flat with my family and had this tiny room with no ventilation system, AC, or anything like that. Yet, for some reason my curtains would just regularly move as if from wind in the middle of the night but the windows and door were closed and as I said no other possible source of wind in the room. I would just lay down in bed and stare at it with concern. I don't know if it changes anything but it was a rented apartment and there was this scary angel life-size wooden statue hanging above my bed so it just added to the creepiness, and I couldn't take it off because it technically was not our flat. Eventually we moved but I'd like to know, was it like anything paranormal or can someone with scientific knowledge explain to me why would these curtains so randomly move by themselves? About other weird stuff connected to this flat. I think I saw something in the bathroom mirror when I was 13 and was so scared to stay there for a longer period of time that for some time I asked my little brother to just sit with me in there for companion while I took a bath, he was like 7 then so it was not weird yet lol. After some time I stopped asking but still glanced into mirror regularly as if to confirm that nothing was there. It was such a long time ago that I doubt my memory about whether I really saw anything there or it was just my overactive imagination because I read and watched a lot of horror stuff back there, but I remember how scared I was. Lastly, when I was sitting in one of the rooms I sometimes heard closets from the corridor being opened and closed, these were like built-in closets you had to slide the door of in order to open them so it was a sound only one thing could make in the house. Once again, I never saw them opening by themselves and I wonder if it wasn't just my imagination but it still was unsettling for me at the time. There also were very few situations when my brother was scared to go to other room, once even he said he won't go there because we can't wake up the man. We lived only with our mother and I checked that room, nobody was there. I still have no idea what man he was referring to. What are your thoughts?